Matthew chapter 21. Amen. So we've been going on this journey together. We've been following Jesus in the last week of his ministry. We barely made it out of the first day of the last week. And so we, we've been talking about, the first week we talked about provision. The second week we talked about the freedom that God brings. This week I want to talk to you about God's, I guess, the side of Jesus that we sometimes pass over. You know what, the more that I'm studying, the more that I'm reading, the more that I'm realizing that there's things in the Bible that I've missed all this time because I just read right over them and just pass right over them. And I'm learning to see the simplicity and the power in what Jesus did and what he said. Everything that he did and everything that he said and everything that's recorded is for a specific purpose. And if we're not careful, we'll pass right over it. For instance, Matthew chapter 21. We're going to do Matthew chapter 21, and then we're going to switch over to Mark chapter 11, okay? Matthew chapter 21. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he, went. he, he, will, and immediately he will send them. And so the disciples did as they said, and they went. And we talked about that provision is in your place. Provision is not in your performance, but it's in your purpose. It's in the promise. But it's also in the place. And sometimes that place is opposite. So we see this thing going on that Jesus is demonstrating. And they're not little things. They're significant. There's so much of a well. I mean, I could stay right here and preach some more on this because it's so good. But we got to move on and follow Jesus on in. So Jesus comes and they brought the, the, uh, they brought the olive branches and the leaves. And we talked about some of those things. But this is the part that I wanted to get to. And so they said, Hosanna to the son of David, verse 9. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So they're beginning to recognize, they're beginning to see. Jesus has announced who he is and what's going on and where he's, what he's called to do. And he comes. What's the first thing he did? What's the first place that he went to? So he announces, he comes into Jerusalem, he says, I'm here. Where's the first place he goes? He goes to church. Now what if, and I'm just asking, what if you weren't there on that Sunday that Jesus came into Jerusalem and went to church? See, church has its place. Can I? Listen, church has its place. Don't listen to the religion. Because see, the enemy is not stupid. He's dumb, but he's not stupid. In other words, he's, he knows that he can't defeat us on his own merit. So what does he use? He uses deception. And so what he says is, you don't need to go to church. 
He doesn't show up and say, if you don't, you don't need to go to church because the glory of God is going to fall and the springs of living water will flow out and heaven's dust will fall down. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, look, you're tired. I mean, you work hard for your money. You had to work yesterday because Bill done called you in. Because he's on vacation. I don't get to go on vacation. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, you're tired. You've been driving. You've been, you've been taking care of someone. I mean, you're tired. Bless God, you deserve a day off. You see how the enemy comes? And he says, you don't need to go. It's fine. Just sleep. But listen to me. What if that had been the Sunday that Jesus showed up at church? Well, I don't want to go because there's, you know, I just feel like I get judged. I don't want to go because I'm tired. I don't want to go because I need to get everything right before I go. I mean, I want to get right before I go. That's like, you know, I'm going to fix my car before I take it to Kevin. I'm going to fix, I've tried that before. Now, I can do some things, but some things I just can't do. I'm going to fix it. Before I call Mr. Don to come help me fix my car, I'm going to fix it. Then I'll call him, and then I can come show him what I did. (laughs) We laugh at that because that's what? That's what we do. What do we do at church? Look, man, I ain't a hypocrite. I ain't going to church. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be real. And I ain't going to church till I get real. Well, see, that's your problem. You think that it's based on performance. You think that it's based on production because that's the, that's the realm that we live in. But with Jesus, it's like if you just come, I'll make you right and make you more real than you've ever been in your life. So church is important. What if... This had been the Sunday you laid out. This is no condemnation. Listen to me. There's a reason why he said, in the last days, don't even forsake the assembling of yourself, even as you see the day approaching. Can you see it? I mean, people are guessing when Jesus is coming back. Already. Can you see it? No. But you know it's coming. He said, even more. This is more important. Listen to me. There's a balance. This isn't all it is, but this is a part of what it is. Shoney's was a part of what it is. The mall on Saturday is a part of what it is. What they've been doing on Saturdays after their meetings on Friday. That's what it is. The guys, that we had, the guys that we had over at our house playing the guitar inside of our house the other day, playing Lord knows what kind of music. That was it. That was part of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? But this is part. This has its place. I'm called. We're called to equip and to train and to edify and to encourage. And the Lord wants you to know that I want you to be. He wants you to be inspired. He wants you to be mobilized. He wants you to be motivated to go into all the world. But what if that Sunday you weren't there? Boy, you'd have missed out. Then Jesus went into church. Can we just say that? Went into the church. Listen, you are the church, but when you show up, guess what? This just became the church. 
And we sometimes we go back and forth, go back and forth. We're not the church, we are the church. This place isn't the church. It is, listen to me, this place is where we meet for church. And Jesus went to the place where they met for church. And he went and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. There's two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about this, and then we're going to talk about the fig tree. I said, Lord, why did you go into church? Well, I want to know why. Because all we've ever seen is one aspect. But he did three things. He drove out those that bought and sold. He turned over the money table where the money changers were. We're not talking about a plastic fold-up table. You know what I'm talking about? You know what kind of table we're talking about. We're talking about pottery barn kind of table. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about restoration, rustic all kind of old rustic barn wood. I'm talking about a table that probably weighed a couple of hundred pounds with a couple of hundred pounds of stuff on it probably. And he turned it over. And listen, we, I've blown by this so many times I can't even tell you. And the Lord said, just slow down, let me show you something. He said that they saw, they, he drove them out, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. In other words, he walked up to people that were selling doves and he grabbed their seat and he turned them over. That's what it says. It says he turned over the tables and the seats. The action verb is still there. And the seats. So he went to people who were sitting down and he grabbed their Could you imagine what that looked like? I mean, that'd be the Sunday I would want to be there. Could you imagine what Facebook would look like then? What Instagram would look like? You know, Jesus like, you know, in the caption road, you should have known better. <laughs> and you sit at home going, dang, man, I should have been at church. You should have, but that's okay. We love you. And I said, Jesus, why? why? And the Lord said, because it was time for me to get angry. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get angry. The Bible doesn't say you can't get angry. It doesn't say you can't get angry. It says be angry and what? Well, you don't need to be angry at me, brother. First of all, you don't even have scripture and verse for that. I can get angry at you. I just have to be careful that I don't sin in my anger. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that people would have would have probably thought in our generation they would have thought well here the preacher is coming and he done got mad at everybody and throwed everything out he done showed out and the Lord said you're darn right I did because I'm angry I said Lord why are you so mad because if you study this you'll see that the money changers were a part of the culture because people were coming in listen this is a valuable part of it this was the week of Passover they were getting ready to celebrate mm, they were getting ready to celebrate their exodus from the bondage that Egypt had put God's chosen people in all those years. This is what they did. They celebrated that Passover. They celebrated the fact that when they left Egypt, they wasn't broke. When they left Egypt, they left with gold and silver and everything else because the Egyptians, after the ten plagues, they said, look, take it all. Just please get out of here. I'm tired of the locusts. 
They didn't leave with rags. and There was no sick among them. There was no feeble among them. That means even the old people that were old and got arthritis, even something happened in them and they were dancing with gold chains. They, they was leaving and they was rocking it. That's how they left. And I said, Lord, so this was a celebration of that. And the money changers were to, there was so much currency, they were actually just exchanging currency. And some scholars, most scholars believe that the guys at this place weren't making all that much money. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me in this. I mean, it just looks to me like you just went off for no reason. And I know you don't. Everything that you do has a reason. And everything that you do has a purpose. And the only thing that I could find that the Lord led me, he said, what did I say to them? He said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. Now listen, that's the clue. That's the revelation. Jesus said what in John 10.10? Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? The thief. See, they had gotten carried away just like everything else. And they had begun to take advantage of what God meant for good. They began to take advantage of it. And they had money changers. They had people that were buying and selling in the place. They had no respect, no honor for what God had intended. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus got angry. He said, this is a house of prayer. This isn't a house of commerce. People come here to get healed. They come here to pray. And you've made it a place of commerce. No, 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 no. No to the no to the no, no, no. My name is, my sign is, Jesus said my number is, no, you're not going to do it. It wasn't that it was wrong. It was that just like a lot of things, we just gotten lackadaisical and we had begin, they had begun to exploit this and he was angry. He wasn't angry at the people. He was angry at the spirit. See, the tables that he overturned is because they were oppressing the people. They begin to take advantage of that and they begin to offer and take advantage of that and they begin to pay the temple tax. I mean, it was, it was just all twisted commerce because they had manipulated what God. And I said, God, why did you get mad? He said, because I got angry because everything that I give is free. It, there's no charge. And he said, I was tired of people charging my people. Go to Colossians chapter 2. This is where we read just a while ago, but I want you to back up just a few verses. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, he's talking about the philosophy of Christ. He said, verse 1, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you. And those in Laodicea as for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together. He's trying to encourage the body. He's trying to get them to get their hearts knit together. But you can't do that with people buying and selling and doing all kind of crazy stuff in the church. He said, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent... 
yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You ready? Listen, here it is. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, and you are complete in Him. Religion destroys. Religion destroys. What they had set up in the temple was destroying the heart and the passion of what it was created for. And that's why he went in there. Listen, do you know that a dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit? And they were selling the Holy Spirit. There's no, inconven- there's no inconspicuous thing in the Bible. They were selling doves. Why? Because doves are very gentle but very pure animals. There's a reason why Moses' raven, when he, I mean Noah, when he sent the raven to go, he sent the strong, because ravens are very strong. He sent the strong to go see if there was dry land, but the raven came back with nothing. Why? Because that wasn't, God said, not by might nor by power, but by my what? Then what did Noah send? He sent a dove. So here they are selling, if you will, the Holy Spirit. And he went, and it was almost like he was more angry at them than he was at the money changer. And he went, and he grabbed the seat, and he throwed them out. Do you remember when they, when they came to Paul, and they said, Oh, you got to teach us this. What is this that you do where people begin to speak in tongues? And he rebuked them. Why? Because this ain't for sale. What do you mean it ain't for sale? Because it's free. And he was tired of religion always charging you for something that God already took care of. You ever paid for something that's already been paid for and you feel like you got ripped off? You ever paid too much for something and then find out later that somebody else for the same thing paid less? Like an airline ticket or a coat? Man, that's a nice coat. I know I paid $200 for it. Really? I got mine for $50 on sale. And you're like, what? You feel like, "Mm." The Holy Spirit was going to be a free gift. The sacrifice that God was given was a free gift. And here they are peddling it at the seat of church, taking advantage of people. That's why Jesus got angry. He got angry at religion. Religion always takes more from you than is required from God. It's dead and it puts you in bondage and oppression. It's not the message of grace. It's the gospel of grace. Religion always wants you to buy something, pay for something, do something to get something. And Jesus said, I come that you might have life. The grace message, so to speak, that we preach is not a message, it's a gospel. This is what he was demonstrating. I'm tired of you putting my people into bondage for what I've come to bring life to them. Luke chapter 4 says this. says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the message. Y'all ain't with me? What does it say? Does it say message? No. What does it say? 
Come on, work with me. What does it say? The good news, the gospel. The gospel is good news. Man, I've heard people preach before, and it wasn't good news to me. Let me ask you this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So he comes into Jerusalem, and the first place he goes is to where? To church. What were they doing in church? And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the what? Poor. What's the good news to a poor man? provision. You don't have to be poor no more. Listen to me. The Spirit of the Lord said this to me earlier. He said you can stay, you can be in church and you can be in religion and you can function in a certain level and in a certain capacity, but like Cornell said, it's never the highest level that I have for you over here. That was how they did church. And it had been prophesied, Isaiah and Jeremiah had both prophesied, stop doing that. And they were still doing it. Still doing it. Jesus said, all right, I'm done blessing that now. And he turned him over. He said, because there's a higher place I want you to be at. There's a higher place I want you to be at. And it's not in buying and selling. It's not in you having, listen to me, it's not in you manufacturing something. It's not in you performing something. It's not in you doing something. It is the free gift of God. He's trying to get his people to see that the bondage that they've been put in is not, the bond, is not his bondage. For by grace you have been saved. And this, not of yourselves. Hold your place right there in Ephesians. Just hold your place right there. Now go to Mark chapter 11. We're going to come right back in just a second. Mark chapter 11. This is what I want to get to. He's tired. He had been fed up. And so Jesus showed out. Jesus got angry. Some, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to show out. Anything that puts you in bondage is religion. Well, you know, you got to. No, you don't have to. My grandpa said, the only thing I got to do is pay taxes and die. You don't have to do that. You don't have, Jesus came so you and I don't have to. Guess what? We get to. Mount chapter 11, this is the same story. Verse 15, so he came in to the temple and he drove those out, turned over the tables and the seats of those that he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them saying, it is, not is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they may destroy him. Listen to me. I'm telling you right now that, that most people believe, most scholars believe that this was the moment at which they decided they was going to kill Jesus. Because he done, guess what? Wrecked everything in their religious system. They wanted to kill Martin Luther because Martin Luther said, you have, got, you have taken the word of God and, and put it in a language where the common people can't read it and you keep them in bondage. And that was never God's intent. And guess what? They wanted to kill him. Why? 
because religion always seeks to control you. But Jesus said, I want you to be free. Well, you know, I don't even have time. I'm not even going down there because I don't have time for it. Well, you know, once you get born again, now it's time to live right. How can the grace of God save us? Romans says that while we were yet dead in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. And you're going to tell me that now I'm going to perpetuate my salvation because of my works? Well, you just give people a license to sin. No, no, no. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how this thing works. Never seen this before, but I'm going to show you how it works. You ready? Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> now in the morning, somebody say in the morning. It's a new day. I'm calling you out right Cornell. I'm calling you out. Come away from this old day, yesterday. It's a new morning. Come on now. It's a new morning. Then in the morning as he passed by, he, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, this fig tree, I want to go back because I want you to notice something. I want you to notice what happened to this fig tree. Because in this account, and in Matthew's account, it comes after the temple. But in this account, you lose that dynamic. Verse 12 of Matthew 11. Now, the next day when he had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing on but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Come on. Again? They just got done telling us that it was not the season for figs. It looks like Jesus rebuked the poor little old tree because it didn't know better, <laughs> right? I mean, it looks like he kicked the dog when it was down. Jesus, and I said to the Father, I said, what? And he said, study it out. Did you know that even though it wasn't necessarily time for the fig trees in that area, fig trees are plentiful. And they will grow sometimes 10 out of 12 months. They will bear fruit. That's important. So even though it wasn't the season for figs, there was a hope in them. Come on, somebody. There was a hope in them that they would find sustenance. Did you know that figs produce fruit before the leaves come? Now, that's important. I want you to hold on to that because I'm going to come back to that. But did you know that they produce figs before the leaves come? Figs are sweet. Man, I love me some fig jelly. Mm, she can make some fig jelly. That, I mean, you just, you know what I'm saying? You take a bite of the biscuit and then you get one of them big serving spoons and you dip it. I mean, it's just good stuff. Figs were sustenance. They were nutritious. They were, and here he comes and he walks up on this tree and there's no fruit and so he curses it. Now, Jesus, why were you so harsh with the poor little old fig tree? You didn't know nothing. Do you know the promised land had figs? We passed that by. Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
verse 8. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8 says that they came back with grapes and figs. Do you know what the number 8 represents? Fresh beginnings. Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, verse 8 represents the figs, represents the new beginning for the promised land that we're supposed to inhabit. And he comes to the place where that promised land, where this fig was going to give sustenance, the place of fresh beginnings, and it was fruitless. So he cursed it. Wow. Listen to me. Because your fruitfulness doesn't come from your performance. Your fruitfulness comes from your fellowship. They had twisted it. They had twisted it. Did you know that when Adam and Eve sinned, guess where they went to get leaves and sew them together? Fig tree. So it was like Jesus went back to the very beginning where it all began. And he said, it's, I'm done with you. I curse the need for my people to always feel like they got to cover themselves before the fruit comes. Come on now. Maybe the reason why you feel uncovered is not because of your performance, but because of you, the fact that you're not fellowshipping with the one who gives for. Listen, the secret to Christianity is the fruit comes, then the covering. <laughs> the fruit comes. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of your works. The fruit of the Spirit. And the Lord said to me, he said, son, when you come to me and you fellowship with me, he said, the fruit comes and that then comes your covering. It's a picture of grace. It's a picture of the fact that it's not a coincidence that Adam and Eve went to the fig tree, sowed leaves to cover themselves up. It was the fact that the fruit that we are to bear comes from the fellowship, not from our performance. So I wrote this down. Stop trying to produce fruit and start pursuing fellowship. Galatians chapter 5. I know you're still holding your place in Ephesians. Galatians chapter 5. He says this. I say then, verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How do we do this? I'm telling you, number one, you ain't doing nothing. How do we do this? You stop. You stop trying to do it and realize and recognize that out of this fellowship, come on, let it rise. Out of this fellowship, now you begin to produce fruit and people go, man, you got, that smells good. What you been cooking? What you doing? And you go, I, don't, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just fellowshipping with Jesus because he loves me. After he rebuked, after he turned over and drove him out of the temple, guess who came into the church next? The lame and the sick and the despondent, and the discouraged, and Jesus ministered to them. You get all that crap out of the way in your life, 
And now you are open for the flow of ministry. Stop. Let us stop trying to produce fig leaves and just dwell in the house of the Lord forever and in the presence of the Lord and allow that flow now to come out of us and it will produce the fruit in us that you and I so long to, to, to demonstrate. In and of myself there is no fruit. You cuss me, I'm going to probably, my flesh will cuss you back. I hit myself the other day in the house, and I, before I could even catch myself, I said, son of a biscuit eater. <laughs> this is one of those few times where the, where the pastor gets to tell you something about his life that he's proud of, you know what I'm saying? And I said, son of a biscuit eater. I mean, I said it with passion. I mean, I said it like it was a cuss word, you know what I'm saying? And I wasn't trying to be sanctified and holy. I just, it just came out of me. I said, son of a biscuit eater. And my girls fell out laughing. And I got before the Lord and I said, I said, Lord, what was that all about? He said, you've been putting good stuff in me. So what's getting in you? You've been fellowshipping with me. You've been sitting in the seat. So once you've been doing that and you've been sitting with me, guess what? Out of your belly. So now when you, that's why how you know what you've been feeding on and what you've been putting in you is what comes out of you when you least expect it. And I don't say that for condemnation because Lord knows if we recorded that and put it on Instagram. I've said many a times the other son of a bee. And I'm telling you, Listen to me, the fig tree is not... Jesus walked up to the fig tree and he said, I curse you from the root. You know what he said? He said, damn you fig tree. I curse, damn you to hell. I know that's strong, but listen to me. That's what he thinks of religion. That's what he thinks of you and I trying to produce our own fruit, trying to cover. See, he was mad and angry because there was an appearance of fruit, but no sustenance. He does not, and his anger was not at people. It was in the religious spirit. It was in the spirit to try to confine the grace and the free gift of God. And so he walked up to that thing and he said, curse you and never, no man, no man, listen to me, no man shall eat fruit from you ever again. In other words, this thing that you've been trying to do, that's been trying to produce fruit in your life, that you've been trying to, guess what? Jesus said, is done. Cursed, you will never eat the fruit of religiousness ever again. From now on, we want some fruit. We just pull it out from in here. And the religious people hated him for it. Why? Because he took away their control. He took away the bondage. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. There's something about... There's something about what Jesus did on that day that frees us from the religious obligations that we feel we have to follow and control and be controlled by. This is the gospel of grace. Guys, I'm telling you, in the last 60 days, I have had a complete mind shift. And when I see people 
and I see people in bondage, and I see people struggling with addiction, and I see people struggling with pornography, and I see people struggling with abusiveness towards their children, towards their wife. I see people uh, struggling with uh, depression and struggling with anxiety. I used to look at that and go, well, if you knew better. That's what I'm here for to teach you. But I see it now. They're caught up in a system of bondage that they don't, they don't realize it. And those that do realize it, very few of them still understand there's a very few percentage of people on this earth that really truly desire to be anti-God. Do you understand what I'm saying? When people are hurting, they're looking for anything they can get their hands on. And listen to me, guys. I'm telling you, telling you from experience, when people crack that door open, just go on and shove your foot in there and flip the door open and walk right on in. Don't pass up those opportunities. You don't have to be religious and Christianese about it. Just tell them, say, look, man, I was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I was cuckoo. And all I know is I met the man upstairs and he didn't say, my life. I don't know how to tell you, but you know, you know what I used to do. I don't even want to do that stuff no more. Why? Because I just find so much life in him and I'm just so happy all the time. Because, listen to me, your freedom was already made available. You're already free. But people are in bondage in cages with no locks on the door. And they still think they're in bondage. We think in certain areas of our life, we're still in bondage. Now go back to Ephesians. I'm going to close with this. And you he made alive. When Jesus walked into Jerusalem and he went to church that day and he turned over that situation, those tables, and he flipped them out of their seats selling doves for sacrifices and he walked up to that fig tree and he cursed it, he was announcing the fact that I'm fixing to make you alive and I'm tired of this religious system. I, you are alive in him. See, for us, he made us alive. You've already been made. The thing that people are looking for out there is in you. It's in me. We should be pronouncing that to people and saying, listen, he made you, made, 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 not is going to make, but made you alive. He's made you alive. That's good news. He's made us alive in him. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because, listen to me, because of his great love, he loves us. He loves you. That's the message that we preach. 
And I have to be careful because when I find people being religious, I have to discern, are they being religious or that's just all they've ever been taught? And I have to be careful so I don't hurt their feelings. Because you stop putting bondage on people that Jesus never intended to put bondage. He said on the cross, he said, he didn't even say it's finished. In the Greek and in the Hebrew, he said finished. This gospel of grace. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. When you lay down there on the floor and you doped up and you can't see straight, he made you alive. When, you're, when, when you, you think whatever the vilest thing, the vi- vilest thing is that we did, whatever it is, when we did that, he made us alive. When he saw us in that place, he made us alive. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And that's when he says, by grace you have been saved. You ready? And raised, past tense. God is such a God of faith. And I'm going to close with this. He is such a God that demonstrates faith. He is faith. He is. He does. He calls and sees and expects those things that be not to be as though they were. He did that to such a degree he already sees, I believe, according to this scripture, he already sees everybody that has ever existed and ever will exist. Everybody that's in heaven and those that are in hell. I believe he has, see, he has seated, caused the seating position to be seated at the right hand of God because he said, has already raised us up. He's already raised us up in that position and yet we're living here. We're supposed to be here, and we're living here. He's already raised us up. There's nothing you can do that will change how much God loves you right now. He loves you just as much today as He did on that day when He rose from the dead, as when He gave His life on the cross. He loves you just as much today as He will ever love you. There's nothing you can do that will ever separate you from the love of God. The people in hell are never separated from the love of God. They're there, but the love of God still surpasses that. Do you understand why we have to take this gospel and preach it? This is more than just about. This is more than just about us. This is more than just about opportunity. This is more than just about comfort. This is about the world. This is about people. And it's about you being free from this religious system to be able to express that glorious gospel that he's already set in store for you. Are you ready? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
They're sitting there. They're boasting. The tree is boasting. Look at me. Look at the leaves. But there was no fruit. Why? Because it's not by your production. It's by His grace. I keep hearing that over and over again. Stop trying to produce fruit and pursue fellowship. Stop trying. But you don't understand. I got this problem. Stop trying to produce the solution for your problem and pursue the fellowship for the answer to the problem. Fellowship. What is fellowship? Father, in and of myself, I don't know what to do about this situation. My marriage is on its rocks. My kids are wandering off and doing whatever they want to do. It seems to me like my job, my life, my health, everything is falling apart. Yet in the midst of that, I will praise you. I will fellowship with you. And I will remind myself of the goodness and the good daddy that you are. And I will build myself up. And I will find those who will build me up together. And I will unite myself to the body of believers that will encourage me. You better stop going to a dead church. Lord, help us. I never want to preach anything or to teach anything other than the life flow that comes out of the tree of life. That, that produces the life that God is looking for. Stop chasing down things that produce death in your life. Stop pursuing the performance-enhancing spiritual drugs that religion has tried to sell you. Stop trying. Let us stop trying to get the shortcuts. We go to GNC to try to get the spiritual nutrition that we need so that we don't have to do this other stuff. And he's saying, all I want you to do is sit at my feet and I will teach you. And I will show you. And I will train you. For what? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Stand with me. He's prepared us for good works that we should walk in them. He's prepared you for good works so that you can now take those and walk in them. He's prepared you for it. He's prepared it for me. Before the foundation of the earth, there was a package. And it was Lawrence's package, my son Lawrence. His package. And inside that package was good works that he has already laid out and he wants me to walk in those good works. We, we, sing, that, we sing that song that, that uh, I will praise you, I will praise you. you, you uh, it's the breath. It's your breath. It's your breath. It's your breath. Then stop holding back his breath from praising him. You really think that God breathes? No. Do you know what that word breath is? Spirit. He said, and deposited his spirit inside of us. And it's that spirit that cries out, that says, it's your breath that I breathe. And so I will praise you. 
I will fellowship with you. And you'll find out that when you do that, you become stronger and stronger. And the things of this world go strangely dim. I mean, they just start shaking off of you. those words for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the works that you prepared for us, that you prepared beforehand, before the beginning of the foundation of the earth for us to walk in, for Lawrence Thomas to walk in, for April Thomas to walk in, for uh, Kevin to walk in, for Morris to walk in, for Cornell to walk in, for Carol, for you made these works. You had us specifically in mind when you drew up the blueprint. For all eternity, you put our name down and you got works, good works for us, and you desire to show the exceedingness of your greatness and your generosity and your goodness towards us in the ages to come that people will look at us and we will be able to diffuse the fragrance of God in their midst that's what you prepared for us so we submit ourselves to walk in line with that we get our hearts and position ourselves to walk in the light of that in the name of Jesus I didn't even intend to say this. But the Lord's saying, are you ready to continue your journey? Are you ready to continue your journey and walk in this thing? Walk in these things that I have predestined for you to walk in. Do you want to take and continue that journey? I do. Come on, Lord, I want to walk. Say, Lord, I want to walk. I want to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to be... Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going together. Divine, what was the word I used? When I was talking to you, I said it was a divine relationship, divine partnership, divine partnership. Amen? Come on up, Cornell. I'm going to let you dismiss us and, and give the announcements. Before he gives the announcements, let me announce something to you, the good works that we're walking in. Brother Bill and Miss Carol are not here, so they don't, they don't know the extent to which we're going to do this. But a few weeks ago, yeah, yeah, shh. A few weeks ago, we met as elders, and it just, out of the process of time, it became clear that it was time for Bill to step aside from so much of a uh, functional role as an elder. Let me say it that way. In other words, he's a papa in the house, but he's not going to be functioning to the capacity of an elder like we know it. He, and we, we want to bless him and honor him in an elder emeritus position. You know what that is? It's an, it's an honorable position. He's going to be still an elder in name, but not in function. In other words, he's still a papa of the house. He called me uh, the, other, the other day, and he said, listen, uh, Carol and I have this, this, and this going on, so we won't be there the next three Sundays. So I just wanted to let you know, let the people know. I said, yes, Papa, I'll let everybody know. But what we want to do and what we're coordinating to do is to bring people that Bill has spoken to their life and had such an influence in their life 
Next Sunday is going to be all about Bill, but they don't know it. In other words, it's going to be, the Bible says to give honor to whom honor due. And it's a surprise. Now he knows we're going to, you know, announce it and pray over him and all that. But he has no idea to the extent that we're going to honor him. So what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to be here next Sunday. You don't want to miss Jesus. He's not going to be turning over the money changers. But I want you to be here so that we can honor him together. And so we're going to honor him financially as well, him and Carol, because of what they've done in the life of the kingdom of God. And so whatever gifts, whatever you want to do for them financially, just get a card together or whatever, and we'll have a basket ready for y'all to put that in secretively, and then we'll present it to him next Sunday all together. I've got some, I've got some folks coming from out of town to come and honor and that's the reason why we didn't send a letter we didn't want to announce it just yet because we want it to be a surprise so I'm giving you permission to blow it up on social media but just be careful not to blow away the surprise okay so he knows we're going to honor him but he has no idea that this whole thing is going to be about honoring the service that they've done for the kingdom of God will you join me next Sunday in giving honor to bless God whom honor is due and to celebrate. Because see, when they, got, when they finally got over to the promised land, Caleb said to the Lord, I want my mountain. And that's the word that keeps stirring up with me for Bill. I want, it's like he wants his mountain, and I believe this is the time for him to get his mountain. Will you join me? And give him honor, okay? Amen, amen, amen. He's not going anywhere. He wanted me to make that perfectly clear. Please tell, let them, I'm not, Papa's not going. He said he's just retired. He's not retiring from the kingdom of God. He, this is what he said. He said, it's just time for some of them young folks, somebody else to come up here as young guys and sign checks. Because see, he signs checks. I don't just get to sign checks for whatever. We have a two-tier system when we sign checks. One of the elders and me sign the checks. And so he's always been the one that said, and he, he, his heart is it's time for the young generation to step up. That's all I'm going to say. Cornell? Amen. Well, I'm going to make this as quick as possible. So um, this Wednesday, um, last Wednesday, we we're going to have the bonfire, but it was really cold. I don't know where that cold front came from, but it was cold. Um, so we're having the bonfires, the youth slash children bonfire this Wednesday night. Um, so... If you guys have, what are those things called that you put, like, marshmallows and hot dogs on? Uh, skewer. Well, yeah, the, the longer ones, like, or a, a decent stick, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We're going to provide some, but, I mean, you know, if you have your own that you like, extra distance, you know, and it's got a nice handle, whatever, bring that. Um, my guys are going to be camping this Friday. So just the guys, we're going to be, like, young adult guys and youth guys, and uh, I'll get with them about all that stuff. And then um, we're still meeting Wednesday nights here. Um, these. Okay, so if Miss Laurel really wants me to make sure that these get done, and I want to make sure they get done for her, um, if you did not fill out one of these two Sundays ago, because I didn't do it last Sunday, please just pick one up in the back and just drop it in the, the tithe and offering box right there. If for some reason you can't do it this week, um, please uh, try and do one next week. It is um, a form that basically we're just trying to get your information 
Um, we, we have a, a system that's just got outdated information. We, we want to be able to have your current address. And really, the basic information is current phone number. You know, we want to have a good phone number for you and an email address that you actually use. Because if you don't use it, if it's like some Yahoo account from 10 years ago that you put down way a long time ago and you've never checked that thing, it's just a spam box, you know, we don't want to send you know, emails to that. You know what I'm saying? We want to be able to, we want to have current information for you all, all right? So, again, um, you can just fill it out, toss in the tithe and offering box. If for some reason you fill one out two weeks ago and you're like, hey, I took it home with me because I just wanted it, you know, well, fill another one, you know, because we need it, all right? Um, uh, let's see what else we got. We're still meeting uh, Mondays here. Um, Miss Laurel's still going through the Armor Bears series, so I just, I really... Wednesdays. Did I say Mondays? I'm sorry. Wednesdays. We're still meeting Wednesday nights here, 7 p.m. Miss um, Laurel is doing the Armor Bear series. I've heard it's really good. I haven't got to come because I do youth, but I would like to, you know. Um, and then last but not least, um, Langston and Inez Cleveland are hosting Jesus Journey Activating the Call. So for those of you who have been going, it's Friday at 6.30 and then Saturdays is at 10 a.m. And to let you know where that is, I-, I believe, that Friday night, right, as far as, you know, the activation stuff in the morning. So... Amen. That's all we got. Father God, I thank you. It's been good. We're not making it longer than it needs to be. And we just love you. We thank you that you've done the work. It's finished, period. And our job is not to try and add on to that. That I believe it's the Galatians that Paul was talking to. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, you know, um, who's bewitched you that you started in the spirit? Are you trying to finish it in the flesh? And we say, no, we're not. (laughs) We're not. You finished it, and we're just walking in your finished work. We thank you for it. Seal it, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be blessed.